why isn't something being done? And I realized, why don't I just do something? And so what I was hoping was the same way that she inspired me to do that, maybe this page inspires the next person and the next person and the next person. Homelessness has always and continues to be an issue or a crisis, depending upon which side of the street you're standing on. We sat down with Jane Shapiro from your DC Friends and had a very candid discussion about how she connected with her new friends on the street and how this experience has filled a void in her own life. This occurrence has perpetuated her to continue with this mission of giving, but truly being on the receiving end of this experience. Hey everyone, this is Helene and this is coming from my heart. In a few moments, we'll continue speaking with Jane, whose wisdom, intuitiveness, courage, altruism, and incredibly large heart is something to be shared and celebrated. So Alexandra, yeah, how's it going? Well, we're so excited to have Jane on. So we're gonna get into how we met and everything, but there's always, as we say, a bright light or there's always good within the bad and during the insurrection and craziness of january 6th we found her from an instagram story and she was just posting about hey if anyone needs a place to stay or water or anything any necessary resources please reach out she will help you and all i can say to that is wow because at a time when it was so bad and it's not great, but you know, it's getting better. She was there to help people. So I wish that January 6th didn't happen, but I'm happy that because of those events, we were able to find and connect with her. Absolutely. Yeah. Great job on doing that as always. Yeah. She's this, I, you know, I mentioned altruism in my intro a little bit and just giving, giving, giving person. I think she definitely sees the the spark or the shine in people yeah she she sees the good within the bad and we're going to get into just seeing people for people and we talked about that in our very beginning episodes we said shining the light and seeing people for who we are I don't think much has changed since 2020 we're still in a pandemic people are still in need people are still in crisis and she's just that person she's that middleman that is lending a hand to kind of bridge everyone together because sometimes you know hey not everyone lives in dc but of course there's homelessness in really practically every area of the country and all over the globe but not everyone is willing to take that first step to be like oh, let me help this person. And she's just, she's like an angel. She's like a little messenger she helping all messenger. these people. Yeah. So we're so thrilled again to have her on and talk to her in a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And what I also liked when we were talking in a pre-conversation with her is that she now, because of what she's doing with DC Friends, other people are doing the same thing in their communities. And what also I like too is the fact that she doesn't really want to, shall we say, make it a, her organization an organization. And you know, I think you know what I'm talking about. She doesn't want to define it as, okay, it's an organization. It's more like, let's do great stuff. Let's figure out a way to do that 
And I feel like sometimes, I mean, I'm not negating organizations that help out homeless and so forth, but it becomes a little bit corporate. It becomes a little bit layered. And what I like is that there's copycats, but in a good way, that people are doing this in other communities. It's very grassroots. And sometimes when it gets corporate, it becomes too commercialized. So Mm -hmm. really everyone's efforts are from their heart and... That's what we're all about. Yes, yes. So, hmm. the Super Bowl's this weekend. It is. Who's playing, Alexandra? <laughs> I had to look it up. It's the Chiefs and the Buccaneers. Yes. And uh-huh. um, we're going with the Chiefs because we don't like Tom Brady. <laughs> well, you may have Tom Brady fans Okay, out so there. sorry if you're a Tom Brady fan. Yeah, well, you know, I think that becomes somewhat a little bit political with stuff. Just so. a tad. But all in good fun, I think it's another reason to celebrate, another reason to throw a party, of course, COVID-safe party. But what they're doing, which is so nice, is all of the frontline workers that are vaccinated and so forth, they are able to go to the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm really happy about that because... Let them them have, like, a nice night and enjoy themselves and... I think they'll have a fun time, and I think what a great homage to everything that's gone down in these past now years. Absolutely. As I always say, well said there, Alexandra. Yeah, I also feel that that's a similar scenario to uh, New Year's when they had frontline workers go to Times Square and be part of the celebration because, of course, they are the ones that are putting themselves at risk every day. And then I think of Brandon. Hey, Bran. You know, you guys are doing great work in the OTPT world. I give a shout out to my physical therapist, Helena, and anybody who is in the front lines doing their job, doing it with a smile. I mean, for the most part, because they are the ones who I think just didn't get enough recognition before the pandemic, sadly said. So back to the Super Bowl. Yeah. How cool is that, that these people can go and enjoy themselves, of course, having a vaccine. And yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited. Chicken wings. That's what I'm thinking about. Okay, so I feel divided about chicken wings because, uh, and you know why. Yeah, I do. It's because the animal lover in me, I just, I feel the pain of eating them. And I mean, sometimes, well, more lately than others, I have not been being, well, vegan. And mm. I don't know. It's, it's up for up debate, but like, I, I don't know. I really feel like I've been eating too much chicken and I feel bad about it. I really do. Because then I look at my dog and I'm like, would I want my dog to be in that position? You know, you look at the pig, you look at the cow, you look at all these animals, and then I just want to all give them a hug. And I just feel like, how can I give, how can I eat something that I want to hug? So okay. aside from that, um, we can have good vegan yes. treats. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about cauliflower buffalo. Okay, yeah. Cauliflower okay. buffalo bites are really yes. good. Yeah. yeah. And the, yeah. The, it's not the same taste, mm-hmm. but it's really good. It has the same sauce. has the same sauce and dipping yeah. sauce. And, if it's yeah. made well. If it's made well. I That's mean, sometimes I think we made it well, and other times I think it was pretty horrible. So depending. Or, okay, let's do this. How about some pizza? But say pizza's from a cow, and cows have Oh, my have God, Alexandra. So actually, I'm dairy-free, so I can't even do the whole cheese. And you can't do gluten, so no, I can't. Match, All right. right. Well, moving on from the Super Bowl, so I just, well, yeah. Well, actually, okay. we want to know what your favorite Super Bowl food is. Yeah. Yeah. This we'll, or that. Yeah, we'll put it out in the poll. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask you guys today. All right. So what else can we say? We got Super Bowl going on. We have the vaccine that's obviously happening. We're hoping that more communities and places out in the United States 
and abroad can get on board and get this vaccination. I think that President Biden is really trying to do the best he can with dealing with the Congress and not having, let's say, the most support, bipartisan support that he wishes that he could have. But I believe and hope and pray that by summer, I'm not even going to say spring, but by summer that a lot of people, I'm not even going to say percentage, are vaccinated. And I'm not even just thinking about here. I'm also thinking about globally what people are doing in other places. Of course, we have our intern, very good friend Ella out there in Australia, who, you know, we talk a little bit about what's going on with uh, COVID there and how that's influencing her. Anyhow, so, uh, but yes, so that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, I think that the vaccine, the more people that get the vaccine, and I don't know if I've said this before, but the more people that get the vaccine, it creates herd immunity. And I think I explain this in another intro that the umbrella example, I said that the more people that are immune or not immune, but at least have the antibodies and immune response to know how to fight some strain of COVID, whether it be mild or something, something is better than nothing. And at least, you know, we could get people out of the hospitals off ventilators. And I think that when the year this is crazy to say, but when the year comes to an end, mm. or at least by 2022, things will start to be back to normal because I knew this from the beginning when everyone was like screaming from the rooftops, let's get a vaccine. I always thought about, well, how's it going to be distributed? You know? Yeah, definitely. What I'm also thinking about now, as I was watching, of course, CNN, that is usually the go-to in this house, the anti-vaccinators. That, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, we have to bring that into the conversation, Alexandra, because as I was watching whatever it was this past week, the problem, I mean, there's many issues with it. And it reminds me of when, even before COVID, when people were not wanting to vaccinate just in general. And like, of course, that is a personal gig, a personal venue, a personal, like whatever you're thinking. However, I think I would, when I was at my college, at one point, there was an outbreak of measles or something like that. And it really reflects upon a certain generation of kids that were in college where parents didn't do the vaccinations. And of course, colleges and schools and institutions mandated a vaccination that you had to have certain amount of shots to do this. And it's interesting here because of our freedoms and our constitution as compared to other countries. And I believe I was talking to Ella in Australia about that, where you don't have a choice. I mean, you have to get what you have to get. And we we take our rights and shall we say we, we value our rights, that we have choice. However, back to the anti-vaccinators regarding COVID, when you have people out there negating people to go get the vaccine, it, it's going to chip away, I like that expression, for people to feel that they should get the vaccine. I mean, and what happens is that, as you were just saying, when less people are getting the vaccine, that means that's more population of people who don't have it. And that becomes obviously the here we go again. Yeah, either people are going to get the vaccine or they were saying, you know, what was really happening before, I'm sorry, in the Trump administration was that they were trying to get to herd immunity by just not having people get the vaccine. So you want to get to herd immunity either way. Did you explain what that was? So basically herd immunity is a level of a population that would be vaccinated. So let's say, for instance, with a vaccine, someone has asthma or someone has an allergy to the vaccine or for some reason they can't get the vaccine. Because the fact that enough of the population would have that vaccine, they would be protected in some way. It's reaching a certain level of having that vaccination so that 
if someone cannot have that vaccine, they'll still be okay. Mm -hmm. And it's getting that immune response in your body so that you have your body has that knowledge it's like it's like creating a memory it's like oh i know how to fight this and that's why it takes longer and so forth and Mm -hmm. any everything i think yeah i think that's really great that you said what you said because i feel that there are people out there and even for myself i have to figure out if i'm going to be able to get the vaccine because what stuff I've been going through and also for people of course who have autoimmune we had talked to Vanessa at length about that so I think that that would give people hope to say yeah I hope everybody gets this vaccine so that I'm okay Really, and I and it's interesting. I have this visual as you were speaking of being in a large city, specifically maybe even in Manhattan, where everybody has the vaccine, but I don't. Or I'm getting on an airplane and everybody has the vaccine and I don't, but I'm going to be okay, right? Because of that, I guess it's the same thing, really, like flu shot kind of thing. Yeah, it's exactly mm-hmm. the same thing as the flu shot. And the problem with this is that it's going to take a, at least a year or two to know or to feel comfortable to be like, oh, I'm in a place enough people have had the vaccine, I'm okay. And I mean, I guys, I have a peanut allergy, so I have to figure out what that is and the anaphylaxis and so forth. But you know, if you can get the vaccine, definitely do. And of course it's hard to get because of the fact that limited supply and the whole two dose thing and so forth. But I mean, it's not like I, I, I definitely am not, um, have enough knowledge to speak upon what the vaccine is or the mechanisms or anything like that. Go talk to your doctor or go talk to someone that you trust, a trusted physician, a pharmacist. We actually had a pharmacist on Viral. That was a couple episodes ago. But yeah, I, I think more people getting the vaccine is always a good thing. More people are protected. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm just itching uh, at, at at wanting to talk to the ahead. main event. I know. Bachelor news. Okay. <laughs> this will be a daily set. Not daily. This will be a weekly. Well, segment. it is a daily in our house. It's, oh, it, it's totally a daily segment, guys. We started watching Bachelor in Paradise from 20. What was it? 2016. I feel like that was the prime. Well, no, no. no. I've watched all of this, guys, and all of a sudden in 2021, my mom's like. Hey, do you know about Bachelor in Paradise? <laughs> and I'm like doing my work and I come out of the room like, that's Kayla, that's Nick. I'm like naming all these names. Hmm. Why are we talking so much about that? Maybe we had a... Well, maybe. my mom is more vested in now Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> and of course, I'm always vested in anything Bachelor, Bachelor, uh, you know, Matt season and whatever is because... Next week, guys, we have a former producer of The Bachelor on. We're so pumped to air that episode, and she will be doing really special stuff on Valentine's Day, and we'll be promoting all of this coming up Monday, February It's it's actually, yeah, it's before Valentine's Day. It's before Valentine's Day, so we're going to have a week rollout promoting this upcoming episode with the former producer of The Bachelor, and she's doing, like, a lot of cool stuff. She is doing So, um, anyway... Yeah, that's why my she produced the season mm-hmm. of The Bachelor in Paradise that my mom is watching. And then we're just thinking about her asking these questions I to know. the contestants on at that time. So anyway, we love Bachelor and we were thrilled to have that conversation. And yeah, it's very, 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 very exciting. Mark your calendars I see for your next face. Friday. I'm smiling because I just love stuff with you Bachelor. You are smiling. It's so nice to see you smile, Alexandra. 
yeah, smiling is a good thing. Smiling is contagious. It is contagious. And, and we, you know what yeah. makes me smile too? My dog. Yes, your dog makes you smile. And I was also thinking of another guest coming up shortly who is going to make everyone smile. Oh, yeah. We, we talked about this on our Instagram. Yeah. AJ. AJ. And when I think of a smile, I think of AJ. Yeah. So, gosh, we got a lot. We I got, told, we got, I guys, told we got you, a lot coming up. I told up. you, I guess it was right at the end of our... 2020 year and into 21 we are going to have some very influential people coming on just to say hi yeah and it's happening it's happening and you know why why because i've been manifesting oh and yeah. because that's like kim well yeah you know kim is always my bud and i feel and i believe and i yeah applaud her and everything she says because i think she's made me tap more into it that yeah, you have to manifest things for things to actually happen. And Kim's episode is number 24. And you're so weird that you know that. I have a good memory. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Bachelor News, Matt addressed the problem. He did. A pro- and what was that problem? Well, there's just a lot of bullies in the house. It's not just Queen Victoria. There's no. There's Anna. There's MJ. There's so many, actually, that it's hard to keep track of them all. Yeah, and I, you know, and I believe that, or not believe, I, I, I'm, I'm actually excited. I don't even know if that's even the word. What's the word that they did something about it? Well, you're I think, happy I think that I'm validated yeah. that they actually did something. You're happy that they're they address the situation, it, and you know, I think that not enough attention is going to Katie because everyone should be thanking Katie. If Katie didn't say anything to mm. Matt, would this really being addressed? Would Anna have left? Would Victoria Probably have left? Not. You know, would there be the whole face off with MJ? No. 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 And I am happy, you know, oh my god. Can we talk about how uh, Victoria left? How rude she was? Um, do you think that was a little bit staged? No, I think I don't know. Okay everyone is in control of their own actions and she was clearly upset that she was going home yeah and i believe she's the first one that actually left who just completely did not give the hug and dissed him she as was- she walked out i mean she may as well have flipped him the finger and walked out um, she was really everything that I pretty much thought that she was but you know again reality television i'm sure GMA, Good Morning America, other shows want to pick her up and like have this conversation with her. I think what's going to be interesting, actually, my other child and I were talking about that, when girls, girls got to tell, what is that called? Or when they have that panel, when they all start screaming oh, at each like, other. Oh, it's like the men tell all, women tell all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that'll be interesting. I think they're going to like, I don't know, maybe she won't even go. Well, no, she'll, she'll go. <laughs> No, she'll go. But yeah, she didn't even, she's like, I'm not even giving him a hug. Like, you think I'm going to touch him? No. (laughs) I think I like what she said. I can't even believe we're even talking about this. Oh my God. But I'm sorry, Um, if you break up with someone, would you really want to hug them after? No, no. But But, but I mean, she could have been, of course, nice about it. And she was like... Oh, I, I'm not the one who's making the house toxic. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, well, I think what it is, it's like in any regime of awfulness is that there are so many other components and people that were responsible. And she was like the first pillar of like yeah. going down in any situation. And I think I, I, I appreciate it. And I actually just laughed when she said, I am not going to go out with another Matt. <laughs> I go, well, guess what? I'm not sure why anyone would ever want to go out with you. 
I, I wonder point. what dating will is going to be like for her post this show. I mean, I think she's she's probably gained Instagram followers, and you know, <laughs> well, they all do. Yeah, they all do. So anyway, anyway, but yeah, bullying is not okay, and very glad that he addressed it, and we will see what happens next week. But I feel like, like I said before, not enough credit is given to Katie. She was the only one in the whole house that was level-minded and stood up for Sarah from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what I just think about? I think that in life, you have to, as you were saying, Katie maybe didn't get enough credit, but it kind of reminds me of like our conversation with Jane Mm -hmm. in that you have to actually just sometimes react to situations and just do the right thing. And I think that Katie did the right thing. And I can't believe I'm even comparing her to Jane. But I think that the similarities really between the two is the fact that when you see something, you do something. And she, you know, you don't hold back. And I think there's a lot of people in this world that do that. They, they process and go, oh, God, you know, yeah, maybe I should say something, but I don't know how to say it. And Katie did. And, of course, our lovely, wonderful guest coming on, Jane, who's this, as I said, this altruistic person, saw the situation. People were on the street, as many are in many metropolitan cities, and people just literally step over them and don't really see who they are. And she didn't do that. She got out of her car, and she did something. Yeah, don't be a bystander. You know, do it, and and your actions will show. It takes courage. I did say that in the beginning of the intro. It does. It definitely takes courage. I think it definitely defines a certain type of a person to do that. But there's so much to gain from so much of that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get into the episode. But before we do that, we just want to thank our partners. Thank you to Play Out Apparel. They're an all-inclusive gender-equal company. So you shop your style, not your gender. So guys, when you go on their website, you're not going to see, oh, women's collection, men's collection. No, it's just a collection for people. They're doing so much good. They support all different types of organizations, Black Lives Matter, Planned Parenthood, anything that you want to donate to that you think is a good cause they already have done it and are donating too. So go to their website, playoutapparel.com, and use promo code HEART Podcast. That's H E A R T Podcast. And 20% of your purchase goes to Immigration Equality, the leading LGBTQIA immigration rights reform. And thank you to Greek Glasses. Yes, they're amazing glasses. You know, who doesn't want a trendy pair of glasses? But I always lose my glasses, so you want them to be affordable. So head to greekglasses.com and use promo code ALBE40 for 40% off your purchase. And guys, we announced that Electric Yoga is partnering with us. Their promo code is not going to be coming out until their episode airs which is February 19th and it's a limited two week code but we will give you more information when that comes out. We're going to get you guys 25% off all merch. So Mm. they're Yoga wear is so cute. It's um, made really well. It's made from their hearts. And my mom gets compliments literally everywhere she goes, and so do I. She went to physical therapy the other day, and her physical therapist was like, 
where'd you get those leggings? They're so cute. They're they really, cute. really cute. And do you always get compliments on your leggings? So Alexandra, of course I do. No, but <laughs> I'm saying with oh, other brands. I'm just teasing you here. Not really. I think it's also because they're, it's a floral print and I'm not usually a person that walks away, walks around wearing floral, but Whatever it is about this pattern, it's just, it's beautiful. It's really a piece yeah. of art. Yeah. yeah. So get excited for a discount and uh -huh. yeah. that's it. That's oh, it. and continue to please subscribe, rate, and review us. Every comment, every rate, every review really means so much to us. And if you've been enjoying our episodes, please tag us in your Instagram stories, you know, screenshot when you're listening, whether you're going for a walk, listening in your house, whatever you're doing, just take a screenshot of the episode or however you want to tag us. And we will definitely repost you and we appreciate all of you for listening every week stay tuned for more exciting episodes and this one is really special to our hearts absolutely so thanks alexandra so you guys all know what you need to do at this point in the intro as we are chatting away is to just sit back and relax and enjoy the conversation with jane altruism is having or showing an unselfish concern for the welfare of others Jane Shapiro, who is a 10-year veteran of the Marines, spent every Christmas alone and often dreaded the holidays. So when she took a new route to work one day and saw people sleeping on the benches below the Christmas tree in front of the Capitol building, she saw something in their faces that felt all too familiar to her. It was this feeling that drove her to do something very few of us have the courage to do. She walked over and started a conversation with one of the homeless a man named Angelo, and the rest, of course, is history in the making. And I'm just gonna read a quote. She said, I have only 200 or so friends on Facebook, but I posted this on Christmas and said, hey guys, I have everything I need, but would it be really cool this Christmas if we could knock this out? People that I haven't even spoken to on Facebook in years decided to start sharing. So it kind of went from there and hundreds of dollars were coming my way. So all I have to say is, Jane, you have definitely defined what altruism is, and we are thrilled and over the moon to have you on today. So thank you. Welcome to the podcast. I was trying to figure out how do I present you to our Coming From The Heart audience as this unbelievably amazing person. We had this pre-conversation with you, and I just, after that conversation, I definitely felt like, wow, I don't even know if I can define myself as altruistic after speaking to you, but I just think it's little acts that people do on a daily basis. And quite frankly, you just blew this out into something so much more. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's, those are the sweetest words. <laughs> yeah, it's been, um, it's been an awesome experience and really just seeing the good in, in so many people that would have been strangers. I'm a pretty serious introvert. So this has been like a huge step out of my, I guess, original comfort zone. I would have never started an Instagram page that was public and have, you know, people welcoming people from everywhere. It's not that I didn't want to welcome anybody. It's just that I'm really private and quiet. And I just like have a couple of friends around the area and my sister, and that's really it. And so when this blew up, it was a little overwhelming at first, but then just seeing that everyone kind of had this very familiar, everybody felt the need to help others. And I think it's because we all see that we, we know what it's like to feel lonely. This year especially has sucked. Well, now it's 2021, which has been an adventure of itself. 
But 2020 was so hard, especially around DC. There's just so much tension and there's so much, there's so many big things happening that when it came down to just this small Christmas list, everybody was like, it was almost like back to the basics of just like, yeah, we can do this. We can feel, we can feel, we can handle this at least and help someone. And then also, I think one of my favorite parts of this community is putting faces. It's not just like, oh, this is a homeless guy. It's like, this is Angelo. He's from Virginia. These are his parents. This is Susan. She's from Maryland. This is Greg. He's from, you know, just all over the place. And you get to know these people. I was actually out there today before we were talking and just sitting down. And another part of it that's interesting is I would never be the person to film interactions with people. I just, it feels like invasive. It feels rude, but I realize that getting their stories out there is really important. So I obviously always get their consent and I tell them everything that's going to be put and they, they review it before, like on my phone before I put it out. But just being able to share their stories and talk to them and have these like candid conversations on these random corners and just seeing there's just this universal element to everyone that I've met, this kindness to them. And they're just, it's funny because the people that I've met around the city who are in need the most, they have the most giving hearts and it's really, really cool. And I had some really good conversations today with some of the friends that our page has gotten to know. And it's just been really awesome. Yeah. I'm happy. Okay. It's a weird statement I'm going to make. If the Capitol siege didn't happen and I didn't find, it's just a weird turn of events that we connected um, through Instagram because my gosh, what everyone went through that night, especially all your friends. And it's just, it's weird timing and weird aligning, but we're happy to have you because when you were talking about how these people are so grounded, I was so taken back when I found your page. I was like, mom, I read Angela's story and I was just so touched. And I think I saw Susan's story and the humility in these people of just saying now, like I got my Panera, I'm good. I don't need anything else. It really makes you reevaluate what is important and how little we actually really need. Yeah. And I mean, today we were driving around and it's funny. I, I was able, we were able to get Susan a tent because she was, because of the, what was going on at the Capitol, the city and, and friends, we were able to put her up in a, she was able to be put up in a hotel for the inauguration because that was a huge concern of like, how are we going to get people off the streets? Because we saw what happened on the 6th. We don't know. What's gonna happen. Luckily it was super quiet for the inauguration. I mean, the city was shut down, but but when she came back, all of her stuff was gone. To other people, they're like, oh, this is just trash. We'll just throw it away. This was all she had was a tent. So luckily, we met her pretty much the moment she came out of the hotel. And we were able to get her a tent and get her all these things. And just, I mean, she starts crying. And we just think of all these things. This is someone's home. It's sad. But it's someone's home. And then my friend and I were talking tonight. Because we were standing outside talking to her for maybe 40 minutes. And you don't mean to. But you're like, okay, well, it's cold. Like, I want to get going. And it feel you realize like, oh my God, I get to get going and she lives here. And so we, I was up last night and I was looking at it and there's 6,300 homeless people in DC and there's 31,000 hotel rooms. So we don't have a homeless crisis. We have an apathy crisis and we're talking about that. And I think that's why the page is cool because we're also not an organization. We're just like normal people who have jobs that are like, let's humanize these people. So, right. I like, yeah, I like that in the pre-conversation, you were referencing the fact that you're not an organization, that you're, you saw this, this crisis clearly. And it's such a juxtaposition, like here you have the capital, okay, before on the sex, and you have this complete polarization 
of two worlds that completely are so opposite. They're polarizations of one another. You have the poverty and then you have the capital and the congressmen and all the people and the legislative people that work there. And the fact that you're now taking a stance, a real stance, and not referencing back to it called an organization. Because again, with an organization, and I'm not throwing organizations under the bus, nonprofits or anything like that. I just think that it becomes very layered. And then sometimes the actual goodness I wouldn't say it's lost, but sometimes it can be a little bit. So the fact that you also mentioned that there's other chapters or other other people doing the same thing that you're doing because you went to you know Facebook to social media, put it out there, and now other people are like, "Wow, I can do that too." And of course, Alexandra and I were thinking about that. We actually just had a conversation locally with the Boys and Girls Club, and I was really Alexandra said, you know. I love the Boys and Girls Club and I love the CEO, Stephanie and, and me and Williams. And they're just, they do this wonderful, incredible stuff for the kids, but we don't need to go through them to do good deeds. And I really feel like that's something that needs to be expressed to our coming from the heart family and truly really to everybody is that you don't have to like have everybody's approval to go out and do something good, but it's scary. And you had said that, I think, Jane, when we were, to, and you need to be like, have a little bit of courage, like, Oh God, what if I get attacked or what if something happens? And oh my God, it's COVID. Now I like to bring that into the conversation. COVID, I mean, obviously you did what you did and you were wearing a mask, but was that even a, I feel like it wasn't a concern. You just were on this mission. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I I didn't think about it until after I sat down, honestly. And I was like, oh man, am I, am I putting people at risk by talking to them or, and I mean, we maintain social distancing, but yeah, it's like, I'm kind of assuming a risk by meeting people I've never met who want to donate their clothes from their closet. And then I need to wash it before I give it to other people or just going out and talking to my friend Clay and I, he does this with me, even talking to Susan and Greg and Angelo tonight, we get to see all of them tonight. It's like, we can't stand off from them as if they have the plague, but unfortunately they don't have the resources to like keep themselves safe from it. And so yeah, it's it's kind of, I'm in a weird spot because I want to inspire this group to say, take this upon yourselves. It's not, because a lot of people have been like, this is a great thing you're doing. Here's all my things for you to do it. And the support is great, but we can all do this, which is what I, that's the whole intent. But also I don't want to put people in that position. So it's, it's interesting. And then also with the attack thing, I was actually carjacked a few months ago at gunpoint. So, so like the last thing I want to do is inspire someone to be like, I'm going to go to the rough parts of town. And then I'm like, oh God, don't do that. Wait, 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 hold on. Okay. This was pre to doing this. Obviously this was, yeah, no, this was like, I don't know, a couple months before it. Yeah. A few months before it happened. Yeah. So. Oh my goodness. I mean, yeah. Thank God you're okay. I had insurance. Yeah, it was a little, and and what's funny is when I spoke to the police officers, because it was right outside my apartment, and basically I look over and I see four 17, 18-year-old looking guys, but they're in all black and they're masked up, and it's, any other time you see that, you're like, well, this isn't going to be good, but it's COVID, so everyone's like, "Mm, I don't know. So carjacking, I think almost 60% when COVID first hit because of that, so like that's a concern too is crime being robbed and it's just like ugh. but I haven't had any problems since but I also I'm mindful of that especially as a woman I get nervous about because the, mo- the majority of the group is women and I don't 
it's open to anyone. It just happens to be that's the demographic that's like kind of flooding it. It's a concern. It's like, I don't want women to go out at night and be trying to help people. And Yes, yes, yes. It's almost like you went out, you went out by yourself, obviously, when you saw the situation. But if you're telling people that they want to go and help, it's good to go in a pack, have people with you. Yeah, I would never advise people. And like tonight, so tonight I told you, like, if I'm ever going out and it's dusky, I'm going to take clay with me at least. And it's just the simple little things. Like when you get out of your car, don't leave your car running with the hazards. Even if you're just jumping in and out, you know, don't walk into any dark area. Like when we go in front of the Capitol, I mean, there's so many police right there. I'm not worried about it, but I'm not venturing into like the rough parts of town. To, of course I want to help everybody, but yeah, you have to consider your, your safety. First, you know? Yeah, of course. Of course. I want to talk about the logistics of all of this though, because it seems like it's a lot of planning to coordinate with helping everyone. How are you getting in touch with them? Especially, I'm sure a lot of the friends don't have phones and checking up on them. How how do you do all of that? Sure. So luckily, Greg has a phone and we were able to get him some minutes so I can talk to him through there. And then Susan has an Instagram. So she pulls Wi-Fi off of buildings and then she'll message me like, hey, can you help me with this? One of the really helpful things, which I hate admitting because I just hate Jeff Bezos, but Amazon wish lists are amazing because people can post what people need, specifically person or just a generalized list, and people just send it and it's privately, my address is private, and so they'll send it to me. I'll usually wait till Saturdays just because I work full time as well, and then I'll organize it all, post it on the page make sure that I reach out to anyone who did say their name. A lot of people are anonymous and I'll go out and give it directly to the people that it's for. And if it's generalized, like this is just for anyone who needs it, I'll go to the spots that I know because the city is not that big. I think DC is what, like five miles across. And then I know like the certain spots. So I stay mostly in the, like around the Capitol down all the way to Freedom Plaza and then a little bit down towards H street. So I don't really go too far into like Adams more. It's just the city gets too big at that point. So I kind of stay in that area and that's manageable, but it's, it is a lot. Like when I was picking up donations, which we're kind of pulling back on just for COVID because it was becoming like just too many people, too many bags, too many places, too many things. But that was like my Subaru was packed to the brim, like every trip. And then my living room was just packed and I'm like, oh gosh. So it's been a lot. I was considering getting a storage unit. So I don't know. It's hard. And then also not being in an organization, it's like, I, I never want anyone to feel like they're being taken advantage of. So always really open about like, Hey, obviously I would never steal from anyone. I would never keep any, I don't, what do I need like a sleeping bag for anyway, or like things like that, but still try to be really transparent and make sure that I'm documenting, like, this is when we got it. This is who it went to while being respectful of people's privacy who are getting it. So it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Wow. Wow. Are you surprised by the response of people willing to help? Yeah. I mean, one lady sent like, there's one lady, her name's Rachel Molinaro. And she sent probably like, I don't know, like 20 boxes. I don't know how much through Venmo, just gift cards, gift cards. I mean, every day she's messaging me like, who else needs stuff? So I also like to post the stories of people in the community. And one of our friends, Kyle, his dream, he's in Florida. His dream is to go to George Washington University. And a lady read it, read his story, and she's in San Francisco. And she was like, I want to pay for your flight to move up there and pay for you, maybe for a month's rent. And I was just like, Pfft. so people are talking on the page 
And then another lady, she ended up being a dean there. Wow. And she reached out to him and was like, let's get you set up. And so like, oh my God. Wow. But there was also like a first generation college student on the page. She's called student number two because she's in college. Like, I don't think she probably wants that broadcast that she was struggling, but they couldn't make their rent. They were about to get evicted. A lady stepped up and was like, I'll pay your rent. So she anonymously paid her rent. And then people have just sent, she, she sends me videos like crying all the time because luckily because she has an address, I could send the Amazon wish list to her. So like, here's her wish list. People send it, it goes to her. And she had boxes. They had to bring dollies in. And now she just got to move into her dorm room actually today at noon. Oh. And it's the first time she's ever had a bedroom to herself. Oh. She's always in a bedroom with her whole family. So she's like, she asked me if we could get coffee because she's like, I've never lived alone. I like, I'm going to be lonely, but she sent me a picture of her little trunk packed with all the things from this group for her to take to her dorm room. So like little stories like that, like it's kind of just anybody who needs help. I've had people reach out to me who, because I I think suicide is not talked about a lot too. And that's like really mental health is a big thing, especially with COVID. So I've, I've opened that door, like just message me as a person if you need to. And I've had people messaging me being like, I love reading your stories. I was going through a really rough time. And I'm not saying this page like saved lives, but it was just enough for people to be like, it gave me a breath of fresh air to see people doing good. I've been going through a lot. Can I chat with you sometime? I'm like, of course. So just, it's really, really cool to see like the range of this group. I I, I just, oh my God, you're just like this, you're like this angel, honestly. Like, and and you seem like the type of person that clearly doesn't want to be recognized as that. You kind of just want to do your thing and just kind of go off. And I feel like you definitely need to be recognized. And I'm thinking Biden, Alexandra, what are you thinking? I mean, he is really like, (laughs) I mean, I, because you define everything, you check off every single box, you just do it. Like Nike, you're just doing it and you're not waiting to figure it out. You're just doing it and having support of people that are around you that want to do the same thing. And the response is that, and he probably verbished this in many of his speeches, is that there's so much good here in the United States for each other. And I feel like in the last four plus years, without getting into much detail, because we talked about that, there's so much good of people. And look, we're all dealing with this crazy ass pandemic in so many ways, but For people who are out on the street and people who have absolutely nothing, you are like this guardian angel that has just, it's a good thing you got out of the Marines because clearly people on the street needed you. And yeah, and I'm even thinking like, God, what about Jeff from Amazon? We should get his ear involved in this. I mean, even though I, look, okay, we can think whatever we want to think, but there has to be somebody on his team that would say, hey, you know what? Let me donate a large sum of money and set up an account for you to give and and a lot, a certain amount of whatever these people need. Or I'm even thinking like Ellen doing these types of things and stuff like that, that, that I think if you get the ear of someone like, you know, I hate to say celebrity wise, although, you know, that's somehow how it works, that in essence, people could benefit. That's all I need to say. Yeah. It's sort of like this snowball. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I think that that's, I mean, that's kind of like the angle I took with even creating the page. It's like, I was already doing this stuff before I put Angela's Christmas list out there, but the story makes it easy for people to 
kind of compartmentalize their efforts and like, I want to do something good. I don't know how. And so it's funny that you, you say all that because like, I was already like that. And then what really sparked me to do this is my sister. She's sitting right here, but she just graduated college. Quick backstory. Cause she's a huge reason, probably the reason why I really stepped up to do all this. So she just graduated from FSU, the dual degree, summa cum laude. This is Katie. Hi, nice to meet you. Hi. <laughs> huh? She's building She's building a bike right now. I love it. But anywho, she just moved here. She graduated from college, didn't get her ceremony, even though she was like top, 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 top of her class, dual degree, history and international affairs relations. Sorry. Same, same thing. She came up here and she immediately went to work at an NGO helping to place families, immigrants and refugees. And so all day long she was working, she says eight hour days, they were like 10, 12, 15 hour days of like getting people's houses set up. So I would hear these things of like, they need phones, they need apartments, they need this, they need that. I'm like, how is this stuff not just getting done, you know? And then I, and so my gears start turning, like, why isn't something being done? And I realized she's the person doing it. That's what it is. It's the Katie's of the world that just are, they just got to do it. So when I was driving home one day, I'm, my wheels are spinning because I'm like, well, she probably won't be home till 8 p.m. tonight, even though she left at like 6. And then I see Angelo and I'm like, why don't I just do something? And so what I was hoping was the same way that she inspired me to do that, maybe this page inspires the next person and the next person and the next person. Absolutely. Yeah. And then next thing you know, the world is better. So yeah, the domino effect. I say all that to say, I agree with the domino effect. If you just get the ball rolling, so... Oh my God. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love how it's, it is a domino effect. It's a ripple effect. My mom likes to say it's passing the oxytocin. I think it's, it's an inspirational thing, especially during COVID when all you see is negative and bad. And I think it's inspiring to see other people doing good, but I like that you don't I mean, everything is so documented in our world, like Instagram, like, I mean, of course, I'm guilty of this myself back in the day when you could go to a restaurant without feeling like is anyone going to sneeze or cough on me. I love taking pictures of my food or like documenting working out or every little thing. And going back to what you said previously, it is really invasive for someone to come up and, you know, you see those Facebook videos of this person was homeless and here I gave them that. And it's like, I, it really is just degrading because these are just people. And when I saw your page, I really thought about, I used to intern in the city before COVID and you just saw so many people and, you know, you travel and you just see so many people and you just think, why hasn't anything really been done when they didn't, you know, from birth, they're not just like, I'm going to be homeless. Like, no, everyone has a story. There's a, there's a reason. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do you want to talk about, we didn't, you didn't bring this up now, but you talked about, and it's an image that stuck with me, the contrast between seeing these homeless people and then seeing this beautiful Christmas tree and how that really is representative of a lot that's been going on. Yeah. So at the Canadian embassy, which sits kind of catty corner to the Capitol. So if you're looking straight down Pennsylvania Avenue, you see the Capitol and then to directly to the left at the last turn is this huge, beautiful Christmas tree all lit up. And, you know, it was like, I don't know, they put it out December 1st and your first glance is, oh, it's so beautiful. Thank God this year's almost over, blah, 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 lights, ornaments. And then you look down 
five feet from the tree and there's people in tattered sheets freezing sleeping on the vents and once uh, this is always heartbreaking to me too because when you see people on the vents it's a last resort because once you get on the vents you become wet and so it's hot but it's wet so now you can't leave the vents and it's kind of this tricky metaphor it's helping them but it's also like they're trapped now and so these people were almost they were trapped on these vents, basically, trying to survive underneath this lit up Christmas tree, which was just, you know, I look at it and I'm like, how much did it cost to put that up? How much does it cost to run those lights? How are we looking at this and seeing beauty and seeing hu- living human beings trapped to the vents? And then also, if I just turn my eyes a few degrees to the right, the capital is there telling me that this is the best country in the world and it's being cared for and one nation under all. And it's just like, what is happening? And so that image, it made me think of being a little kid and like putting ornaments up with my mom and having no idea that people were sleeping on the streets. And it really changed my perspective of Christmas, which is why I wrote down his list in the beginning. And it was like, it's kind of cliche and kind of corny. And I know my mom would be super happy that this is the way that my sister and I have come full circle, but it's like, this is Christmas needs to be about like, not just Christmas, but just spirit should be about not the lights on the tree, but what's under it, which is at this time, it wasn't presence. It was human beings who were freezing and starving. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I think that so many people just do walk by because it's like we become desensitized, just like you're narrow. You got to get to work. You got to get your day going. And no one really wants to stop and take the time to get to know these people. Now, when you first went up to Angelo, was it scary? Like what, describe how you were feeling. Yeah. So Angelo, Angelo is really quiet. He does have a few like mental health. I don't want to call them issues, but he's, he's slower. So he's really, really sweet. But in asking and just starting to talk to him at first, I thought he like didn't want anything to do with me and like, just go away. But then in asking him like where he's from and recognizing his speech and recognizing a little bit of the cognitive delay, I was like, okay, he's not like offended by me. We're good. We're just going to share lunch. And we started talking. And then once he opened up his, the food that he had, which was like super old and it just didn't look very good. That's when I was like, well, do you want some food? Can I get you some food? We just started chatting and he kind of opened up a little bit, but he wasn't talking too much. And it actually took a few times talking to him for him to be like, I've never meant to not talk to you. I have a really bad infection, so it hurts to talk. I'm like, well, that breaks my heart. I had no idea. Actually, a dentist has reached out to me. We've been messaging to figure out how to get him out. So that's another reason why the page is awesome. She's a doctor, and she was like, I can probably help somehow. But in just talking to him, it was it was kind of scary because, like, I mean, I'm a, I'm a woman, so I have to consider that. I'm by myself. It was the middle of the day, and it was in front of the Capitol, but still, this is a man I've never met. I don't know anything about him. He was just sitting there alone. And I, I don't know. I just kept thinking, like, what if that was my sister and people were just walking by her? Or what if that was my mom? Because he's older. Been, he's older than my parents. I was like, what if my parents were just, what if my mom was just on the vents and people were just walking around her like, oh, she chose that life. They have no idea who she is, anything about her. So when he told me he didn't have any friends, I'm like, okay, this is going to change somehow. So it's cute. When I saw him tonight, he recognizes my car. And I was about to pull away because he was walking up late. Greg was there, but he wasn't. And he was walking up and he like peeked into my windshield and waved. And I was like, oh, hey. So I got out. I already had things for him. And so he was like, okay, cool. Hey, Jane. So it's it's really sweet now to see him smile. And it's just really nice. Wow. 
Wow. But yeah, to answer your question, it's scary. It's scary every time because it's funny too. It's like the, I'm not even so much more afraid now of being hurt. It's like a funny, weird little thing I never would have anticipated. I'm like scared of rejection because sometimes some of them are like, I don't want to talk to you. And it hurts your feelings because you don't think you're going to go be some hero. But when, yeah, they just don't want to talk to you. Sometimes they don't. And then Susan was like a little angel of light for me because she put it out there. It's on the video. She's like, sometimes if they're mean, they don't trust you. They don't know if you're going to hurt them, if you're mocking them, if you're, well, that's, a, that's true. So you just have to go in with an open heart and, and you don't, these people owe you anything. They don't owe you this, all this gracious thanks. They don't owe, you know, you don't, you're not owed that. They're humans. Yes. 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 I was also just thinking about, you know, you think about communities, just the word community. And I'm thinking about the homeless having the population of people that they interface with, I would reference as their community. How did, you know, you were saying some, because they don't feel like having a conversation or maybe they feel that they don't want people to pity them, that you're putting them, not necessarily you, in a box of like below someone, like someone would go out and hand them money or throw food at them like they're an animal or something. You know, you see all types of things. And of course, Alexandra was mentioning when she was working in the city, they're humans. Okay. And it's like anybody. And and yet I think it's including myself. I think I have to feel guilty for situations where I should have probably been more interfaced more or been acted a little bit differently. I mean, I definitely wouldn't put myself on a pedestal saying like, oh yeah, I would always like approach people. No, no, I, I didn't. And it makes me feel like, yeah, like let's reavow that. I mean, my husband, I have to say was, is definitely much more, he, he would, if there were food at work or whatever, he would be much more at ease doing that than I would. But back to like the community, do you find now that you're, I wouldn't say like you're one of them, meaning you now have this friendship with people that are living on the street. Yeah. No, I get what you It's like, it's made it so that it's a funny, really weird transition that I, that's kind of, that I recognized actually today. And so it's funny you say that, but it's like in driving my friend Clay around, he hadn't really been on the route with me. And so it's like, I've got these spots now where I pull up, I'm like, hey, so-and-so, hey, so-and-so. They're like, hey, Jane, what's going on? And it's like, this is no longer like me helping the homeless. It's like, I'm going to go swing by and see, put insert name here. And like, this is their spot. I know things about them. It's not just me getting to know them. I share stuff about me too. So they'll ask, they'll ask about this or that. Like they know my work schedule. They know my car that I drive. You know, they know that I have a dog because sometimes he's with me. So they'll look in and is he there? It's become in that friendship with this community now it's not that much easier to approach others because it's like, I understand you more so than what I did before. And so now it's easier for me to approach you because I'm like, yeah. And then it makes the conversations easier too, because I've learned so much. Yeah. Now I know that you don't need this. You need this. These are what, these are what help you survive in the winter. Not this. It's like bringing new apples does nothing, but hand warmers does. So it's like, in, in they recognize, oh, okay, she gets it. She knows like what's up. And then also always maintaining their dignity too is like, and I'll never be like, well, can I get you a tent? First I'll say, you know what? I wish I had the money to help you with housing. Or do you need help with transitioning to, to get out of this? In the meantime, can I get you anything to help you out of the elements? It's not like, let me give you a tent and put a Band-Aid on this. So I think that's important. That dialogue is really important to keep reminding them, respect them. Because I would do that. I wouldn't, I think if someone just talked to me like, hey, 
you're not homeless. You just kind of got screwed somehow. Do you need some help? And always asking, like, you don't, you never just say, like, I got this for you. Would you like this? I have this. It's like, those, yeah. Those little tiny yeah. nuances matter. Yes. So, yeah. I think my mom and I both agree that language is always key and how you communicate with someone matters. And I think that in doing and asking the questions that you do, you probably make them happy and you probably make them feel like, yeah, I'm a person. I'm, I'm more than just homeless. I'm whatever their name is like, and this is just, just temporary. Are there some common misconceptions though? Cause it seems like you've gotten to know different people. Are there common misconceptions that you found that people don't know about that maybe in finding so they could better have this dialogue? Yeah, I would say, People, so, and I can only really speak for cities because I think it's different when you see people on like medians in like more suburban areas, they're actually like more in need of food. Whereas people in the city are more in need of like ways to keep warm, ways to keep out of the elements, ways to keep out of whatever, but they're actually really resourceful. Like they know the spots, they know when stuff's happening. They know when the city is shifting. They know the weather better than us because they're in it all the time. Like Susan, I was going to bring her food. And she's like, I didn't even realize it. She's like, I don't have tea. So like, it sounds like a funny thing, but I talked to her for like 10 minutes before I realized this. And I was going to bring her granola bars. So it's like, I think just listening, I, I, I think a lot of people are also hesitant to give money because they think you think the bad things. Oh, if I give you money, you're going to go use it on drugs, whatever. They're not. It's like, they know what they need. Some people need like wipes. Some people need depends. Some people need different hygiene products for her she needs she loves gift cards because it's safer than money because people won't go if she gets robbed then I don't, it's just safer and then it's so that she can buy her own food another thing is women only want all black everything and it's because they they try to hide that they're women because of the sexual assaults and and rape and attacks that happen so when you see people like really hooded up smaller frames Sometimes they are women, and I've been really shocked. I've met a, a friend of mine. Her name's Mary. I was talking to her for maybe, I don't know, five minutes before she was like, well, I'm a woman. And it wasn't me trying to misgender her. It was just she had done so well at concealing it. She, was, she had a hood on. She had purposely lowered her voice, and she was in all black, and she was hiding her chest. She's, and so I was like, oh, well, can I get you this? And I went to hand her like a colored hoodie. She's like, no, I don't want any colors. Do you have anything black? She kept asking for black, black, black. And she finally explained, like, I'm not trying to be difficult. We have to wear all black to try and hide. And it's heartbreaking, but it's like, yeah, so if you ever see a woman on the streets, they'll almost always ask for black or dark, dark colors. Even if it's their blankets, they don't want to reveal that they're a woman. Wow. So. Wow. Wow. And wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's definitely something that, of course, who would know that? And, you know, I just want to circle back for a moment. I think you defined it so well. And what I'm thinking about is humility, giving people humility. And it's like not talking down to someone who's on the street, because again, you don't know their circumstances of how they even got there. You know, maybe they had a really lucrative job and a great family and something happened. And then like, there you go, they were on the streets and so forth. But the fact that you just brought up the sexual assault, aspect. We had talked to you, of course, Jane, in our pre-conversation about sexual assault in that we are thinking of going into, let's say, March, having 
a couple different episodes, bringing on people, sharing stories. You had said to us that you would, you know, share some things about when you were in the Marines and so forth about that. But I just want to reference with this segment, of course, is about the homeless. Again, this specific person who was talking about wanting to conceal their um, gender because of sexual assault. That's definitely something to, to you know, ponder in that respect, because here they are, they're out on the street, they're by themselves. Did you ever have a more in-depth conversation about that? Or that was sort of just... No. And we, we were around other people and we were actually, we were actually two women surrounded by men. So it wasn't something that I wanted to pry on there. I didn't really want to question her there. She was uncomfortable already realizing that she didn't want to pry. And I was just like, oh yeah, cool. We have this over here and just kind of skimmed yeah. over it because I, I recognized it anyway. And in, in no way am I comparing this, but in the military, you'd also try to like downplay any kind of feminine aspects initially because you don't want to be disrespected as a woman so the more you can kind of fall in line with the idea of the military which is masculine then the better chance you have at being left alone in either a harassment or assault side but also from a professional aspect and so in a very minor way i recognize that in her like oh she just wants to she she said what she needed to say for us to know the message we'll bring it back and just like so so for that, yeah, I left that one alone. But then even Susan, tonight, she asked me, when I saw her, she was like, can you get me some blankets? They threw my blankets out. Can you make sure they're black? I was like, yeah, I, I've already got you. So it was like an easy, just like, gotcha. And I think being a woman helps people open up in a way, because I think in talking to the men too, it's like, and a lot of them are older than me, so it's more of almost like a niece perspective. But in talking to the women, they're instantly, they, they open up a lot quicker I think than they ever I would be scared almost woman and a man wanted to help me I'd be like oh I don't know where this is gonna go you know but well yeah and I'm, I'm also thinking about their resources like if they're assaulted there's an organization I actually just connected with it's called Hope Works and they're in Camden and I was actually just having this conversation with the director there he's going to come on and you know talk a little bit about their program I actually found him through the Boys and Girls Club and Part of their, you know, outreach, if you want to call it that, is they take people who are homeless and then they try to give them training with technology and a job and so forth and so on. And then they work for actually their organization, which is called Hope Works. And then once they get that skill set, depending upon what they have interest in, then they deal with Fortune 500 companies and so forth and then kind of re-educate them back. My head's spinning a little bit. I'm like, hmm, this is interesting because I'm sure, you know, this is New Jersey, but is that, you know, for the people that you're now meeting your friends on the street and so forth, do you ever talk about like getting back into the workforce or, or trying to re-educate or getting skill sets or any of that? Yeah, I think mental health is like the biggest I don't want to say so mental health isn't the barrier, but resources for it in order to work through it are the biggest barrier. So like Susan, she recognizes that she needs to be on medication, but she doesn't have the resources. And Greg, he's actually HIV positive, doesn't have the resources. So he works at a, he's private about that. So I'm not going to put where he works, but he works four days a week. They don't know that he has that and they don't know that he's homeless. So he's, afraid to take the time off work to reveal like I need to go through this he's actually trying to work through um program right now and I me and him are talking about it on our phones all the time we're talking back and forth 
about, you know, the help that he needs. And in the meantime, like he kind of got a cold. So like, that's scary for someone who's, who has any kind of illness. And so it's like, well, I'll try and get you some cold meds if I can. But in the meantime, he's trying to work through a church to go through a transition program. And then like Mary, you know, she told me she, there's two women's shelters, I think in DC that she knows that I would have to do more research, but like as far as women's, if I was a woman assaulted in Northwest DC, I would have nowhere to go. And I have a phone, I have a car, I have all of this I, at the police station, I guess. I don't know Would the, and if I'm homeless, are they going to even take me? No. So I would say it's not, we're lacking that, especially for women, especially for their safety. You'll see most. So I know of three women around downtown area and all of their tents are strategically placed on public private public property as close as they can get to a bank or a 24 hour place with a camera because they know it's got surveillance on it. So that hopefully if they ever get attacked, basically they can just start to try and break into this place and know that help will come for the business faster than it will come for them. That's terrible. So like when you see tents like that, yeah, I mean, it's all for a reason. And then you'll see guys more in the, you'll never, you really won't see women in the parks, but you'll see guys in the parks. So just, it sucks. And, but then the women get harassed more by people calling the cops on them who show up and say, well, they're on public property. So like if women have to deal with more to try and stay safe, it's just this terrible cycle. Of, like what is going on? But yeah, even me trying to do the research and learn about women's, and obviously halfway houses and things like that are private, more, like they're not going to be advertised. But as far as shelters, I was just, it's really hard to, and I, I've got the resources to get there and I'm having trouble figuring out where they are. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that people think about women's safety in particular on the streets. It's like people are so self-centered and think about themselves. They're like, am I going to get harmed when they have a home to live in and, and they have so many more resources. We want to help in any way we can. I just am really baffled. And I don't think, and myself included, that a lot of people have thought about this before. I mean, how can we help ensure more of their safety? Is there anything that we can do? So, I'm, I mean, I'm still scratching my head and I've got like, I've got lists here of ideas. And it's like, the funniest thing, I mean, the, the big part of me wants to take, you know, take the long route legal and get shelters and da 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 and get coordination. But just like the whole reason this group started, it was like, okay, what, what can we do right now? Because me taking the long route and getting some bill in the eyes of whoever does nothing for Susan tonight. So my friend and I, it's funny, like we're literally in the works of creating and we're not engineers, we're not builders, but it's like some kind of mobile collapsible pod almost that can be like turned into a cart during the day but the big thing is and there's a lot of concerns about like safety for it but for women it wouldn't be so tents can just be torn into so it's like what kind of structure can we build with be it plastic be it metal that's foldable collapsible that they can secure from the inside that's at least enough to like ward off people from just tearing open their tent and you know what so like i mean it's that grassroots that we're like We'll build it on the patio. We'll try a couple. I'm sure if we can get the word out there the right way, maybe we can get some kind of production going with someone. Like that's always a longer goal, but it's like we just don't have the time to, to sit here and try and work out housing when people are getting attacked on the streets right now. So we're trying to like grassroots 
front line. What do we do right now for, for Susan and Mary and you know, Mama Joe and everybody out there? So, yeah. I'm actually thinking like, again, my, my wheels are spinning and I'm probably, I will definitely get back with other ideas. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking so much about this. What's coming to my mind right now is L.L. Bean and Patagonia, because when I'm thinking tent, I'm thinking, or REI or any of those places that do outdoor stuff, you know, L.L. Bean's been around forever, which is called um, Patagonia. I know they do a lot of stuff for the environment and stuff like that. If honestly, I think getting a hold of organizations like that, that part of their, I was going to say their product is lots of outdoor kind of stuff, or even like dicks or that they supply tents or they supply that they would definitely, I think, be part of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I think in the, I think in the long run, the goal would be to create visible, like not, not so much visible in the sense of attracting attention, but just almost like a uniformed here's my thought. And this is just like kind of going on a tangent, but not really. It'll, it'll be quick. But we were talking about it. We were like, people call because the, the tents are an inconvenience on their way to Panera. Like I can't imagine thinking like that, but people do. So I, I feel like if maybe there was some kind of uniformed, better shelter for these people, keep seeing it and realizing like, okay, why are these all out here? And cause when you see a tent, you're like eh, a homeless person in my way. But if you see this uniform thing that's associated with, an organization or your DC friends or whoever. And it keeps the person inside safe, but you keep recognizing them everywhere. You start to think, why are these out here? Why are we not doing something? Like the goal would be not exist. Oh, absolutely. And I'm even thinking, like, I agree exactly with what you're saying. I'm sure Alexandra does too. You know, okay, maybe Panagonia or LL Bean or these like companies have clearly tents because that's like part of the company, but get them a place to sleep that's indoors, that has indoor plumbing and, you know, get them a place to be, feel like a human. So tired of them on the street. Then how about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When I pulled up to see Susan today, a man had called the cops because he was, he was standing outside with a Panera coffee and he'd called the cops on her. And I was like, this is public property. And how is that your first reaction? Like, this is the human being and you're, Standing there in front of your BMW with cops, like, what is wrong with you? Oh my God. Yeah. Well, I'm I'll, what a dick. <laughs> yeah. And he had, he had diplomat tags. So I was like, no, you can leave. So I just stood there like, well, are you going to talk to me about it? So, but she already knows the laws and so do the cops and so do I. So he was an idiot. Yeah. Well, in a way you've become their advocate and help amplify their voice. Because when I was thinking about the fact that these women want to sleep on street corners that have a camera in the hopes that they don't. The problem is, is that in a situation where something bad is going to happen, let's face reality. Who do you think is going to be blamed for it? Even if it's not their fault at all, it's just, we live in such a messed up world where we would believe someone with a higher status or like more, if you want to call it, credentials, which is so, so wrong because this person's homeless and this person is something else. Yeah. The fact that that guy called, I mean, who is he compared to Susan? And I think it aims at the fact that people subconsciously think, oh, I'm better than them. They're on the street and I'm better than them. And it's kind of programmed in us and clearly not within you, but within so many that it's like, you have to break down these subconscious thoughts and be like, no, we're, we're just all people. We're just all trying to make it through. 
I think even not the bad people, but just people that are desensitized. I think we have a bad habit of thinking homeless people can handle it better than we can. Like, I think we think that they're tough than us, like their skin doesn't get cold as ours, that they don't get as hungry as us, that they're used to it. And that's terrible. It's like, okay, now put your sister out there. Would you ever allow that? Put your mom out there. And they bleed just like us. And I think that that's, and I was guilty of that, of just thinking, well, you know, they'll be all right. No, I would never let my mom be out there. I'd never let my sister be out there. I wouldn't let my cats be out there. So it's like, I think even the people with the best intentions, they just think, well, they can handle it. And it's like, no, they can't. They are, but that's because they're surviving. I mean, you called someone because her tent was bothering you because she knew that she needed to be outside of a camera so that if she needed help, she could break into the building because the cops would care more about the building than her. Like, what does that tell you? So... Yeah, I think it's a, it's definitely not a homeless problem. It's an apathy problem. And that's why I'm really happy about this group because it's really waking people up, but also just letting people have a chance to talk about it. And like conversations we're having tonight, conversations people are having on the page, it's just really, really inspiring and sweet, especially during such a crappy year. And it's a sad subject, but we're really bringing light to it in a good way. And I like the way that the page is portraying people's stories, that we're not pitying them. We're just it's almost a page to make us better. Like these people are already better than us. Why don't we grow to be better to understand them? And so that's what I like. It's not a page that's like, look at what heroes we are. It's like, Hey, we have a lot to learn. Here's some stories to learn from. So yeah. Yeah. Yes. So much elevating to their level. Cause it goes back to what we've talked about is about having humility. And I think when so much has been taken away or the resources are so minimal. It makes you so much more grateful. And it's like, oh, the person that has, let's, you know, the crazy busy person who's like, let me do yoga for 10 minutes and let me get in my gratitude. Like, no, like these people just have it because they're just gracious for anything you know that comes by. Yeah. Like Susan, she got, we were talking about coffee. That's the other thing. I'll just talk about like normal things that you talk to your friends about, not like Tell me about your terrible situation. Susan, how do you like your coffee? She's like, oh, I have five coffees a day. First one, first thing when I wake up, cream and sugar, two creams, one sugar. And it's like when she got her coffee today, because we got her like a little jet fuel, uh, what's it called? It's like a jet burner. But then so she can have like hot coffee whenever she wants it after Panera's closed. And so she was like telling me how awesome it was. She's like, whole day made, best day ever. And it's like, this is awesome. So Yeah. You know, it's interesting that you say best day ever. People have so much, so much, so many, so many materialistic things. And, and I feel like a person, we'll say Susan for a moment, just the gratitude to have hot coffee or just to have something that, you know, makes you happy for that moment. I think it's like take away people's possessions of so much stuff. And I feel like, you know, during there was different hurricanes, of course, Hurricane Sandy was a big one down here in the Atlantic City area and Katrina before that. And I remember we had no power and a lot of things were going on and it was just like an insanity of time. But what, what I reflect upon is the fact that we more or less were not living anywhere because the down at the shore, the house, forget about it. You couldn't even get to it. Where our home was, we had no power. So I was more or less, I should say, we were more or less living in our car. And quite frankly, look, who am I to compare myself? These people are living on the street. But what I have to say is that that moment in time, you need so little. You need so little just to be happy. George Carlin was this comedian many years ago. My brother, if he's listening, will laugh as I mentioned this. 
and he used to talk about George Carlin again is his name. You have stuff. We all have stuff, things and stuff. And really, we don't need all this stuff to really be happy. And I reflect back to what you said about Susan is that simple things in life clearly could make you happy. And, and what you've done is just beyond, like I said, anything in the world. But I, I guess the question is, how do you feel about yourself in regards to this whole thing? You're doing this phenomenal job, clearly. But do you wake up in the morning and be like, yeah, I'm doing this? What's your... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think like, oh my God, did I write down what I'm supposed to do today? I guess I'm like, the only way I could feel proud about it is like, if I think about would my mom be proud of me? Is my sister proud of me? Like that makes me happy. But like, otherwise I think there's just too much for me to relate to. And not in the sense of like, I, I've been super blessed and I have a house and everything, but it's just like, I, I look at it as the one thing that I can relate to with people is, and especially the homeless is just like being lonely and like not having anybody and not really having anyone check up on you. Not because my family didn't care because I was always like overseas or around people that I didn't really know or like I had my friends and all like kind of but I, I get what it's like to kind of be a wanderer and so it's like just getting to wake up and be the person that maybe I could have had that would have been good for me to someone else makes me feel really good because like seeing people start seeing these people start to recognize my car and smile is like enough for me to to, to know like now they have a someone in their life even if I only get to see them a couple times a week they have like, oh, that's Jane. Hey, like I'm, I exist to someone. And like, I think we've all felt like that in our life. Could we, is there just one crappy red Subaru that pulls up and you're like, oh, cool. My friend's here. That may, that is worth it all to me at the end of the day. And like, we can give these people supplies and tents and we can give them hand warmers and food and money. But like just pulling up, I think is like the best part of it all to me. And of course that does not keep them like warm or tense and all that, but like that stuff's going to come with it. But just seeing like the lighting, like the human element of just there's somebody for me. Wow. Like makes me really. Happy. Wow. Yeah. No, I got as you were saying that. And I think it's the feeling that, you know, that someone, like you said, is going to be there for you, you know, and just, and it's just like, you get excited. It's like, I miss being at school so much just because of the community of people around you. It's weird that I, it's like, okay, Starbucks, Starbucks is my favorite thing. And like, there's simple little things that did make me happy. And I've, I've told my mom this, that I had my Starbucks friends and I miss the ability to like go in the store and just be like, Hey, how's it going? And they know me and they know my schedule and no one, like people probably think like, what do you miss most about my college experience? I mean, yeah, it's my friends, but it's like, it's the things in my routine that I didn't think about, but that were always there. And then when it was taken away, I'm like, I really miss saying hi to Brian or whoever working. And they'd be like, how's it going, Alexandra? And I think it's the same feeling when you're able to show up and maybe they weren't having the best of the days, but knowing that like you're there for them. And the ability to have a conversation, I think it warms, it warms your heart, it warms their heart. And it's just, it's just an all around good feeling. Yeah. I mean, I needed it just as bad. I was super lonely and lost and didn't know what I was doing in the world. And again, like I have a roof over my head. I can't complain about that. But like, you could have all the roofs over your head and you could still be sad and like still not have 
connection. So like I get just as excited seeing them recognize my car is just as awesome yeah. for me. Like I'm like, yes, friends. <laughs> and it's like, oh my God. Wow. It's really cool. I'll, all I have to say is like, Alexandra, you took my words because I think we're always sort of in sync about the showing up. And that's what I was thinking about the fact that you are showing, you show up. And like people always use that expression is that you're coming by. It's not like, hey, I don't even know your name. I love the fact that you know people's names because often it's like, oh, the homeless. It's like this, this, this word. It's not like, oh, my friend Susan or my friend whoever. And, and as soon as you, you know, and I just think about the teaching perspective, like when I was teaching my classes, as soon as you call someone their name and I was teaching Chinese students and as soon as I got their names pronounced correctly or whatever country they were from, it, it makes people like, wow, like I'm a human and they're identifying who I am. And I love the fact that you do that. And I think you just do it innately. I don't think it's something, I don't know, I'm getting from you that you thought about, but I also am thinking that doing this amazing deed, or maybe this is one of your purpose of being here. It possibly is filling a void in your life. Yeah, for sure. Undoubtedly. Yeah, it made, it gave me a warmth and a, a link that I hadn't had in the last decade, at least, because the military can, it, it's cold and it's a machine and it's ambiguous and you never really know where you're going to end up next. And so you don't really, you don't create, it's funny because you have lasting relationships attached to the uniform, but not the person is so much to say. So yeah, when I, when I got out, I was like, well, I'm a civilian in the middle of a pandemic in a city where I don't know anyone. And I just, this sucks. And so, yeah, I mean, I needed these people just as much as they needed me from that aspect. And so me being able to, to provide the exchanges, I, I can give you money and I can give you hand warmers and I can give you a little bit of shelter, but like you can give me lessons, life lessons that I'm going to, li I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to respect your words and your story. And I think that that's, that's so badly. Like they just want to be recognized. So that's, that's our wow. change. And it's a, a yeah. Wow. Wow. All I'm saying is, wow. And also the fact that as far as filling the voids, but you and Alexandra, of course, would agree with this never to feel alone and to validate people. I see you, I hear you. And I'm always screaming about, did you, you know, with whatever situation I'm in to validate people, people don't validate one another. And that's just a problem in life. Absolutely. So Wow. It's an exchange of friendship and exchange of ideas. That's, I don't think that people off the bat would be when they hear all the good that you're doing, that you're benefiting. Because I think that people just like, woe is me. Look at me. I'm doing this. They don't, I think it's the, again, humility or being grounded just to see people for people that, you know, you can talk to people and that they have these issues too. They might be going through something similar as, as you are. Yeah. But you have the courage to speak to them and you did. And now I know that me and Susan drink our coffee the same way. So I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask though, because you touched upon that they, you feel this comfort talking to them. Was it a transition for you getting out of the military and then becoming a civilian? Yeah, it was like, I mean, warm, open heart conversation was not something that the Marine Corps is known for. So, so like 
that kind of warm friendship and just talking to people and like also just as being a natural introvert, it was just a complete 180 from like my normal life. So the support from the community and then the, the lessons that I've learned just from my, like the friends that I've met on the street doing this has, I think made me a completely different person than I was even a year ago. And for the better, I think it's someone I, I was, but it wasn't someone I could live to be. And now it's like, I get to be, be that person. Wow. And grow to be that person. So it makes me really happy. Another thought I have before we wrap up is, I love these questions that I'm just conjuring in my head. Where do you see yourself in relation to doing what you're doing and the good deeds you're doing for these people? Where do you see, where do you see this or where, and, or where do you see yourself in like five years as far as doing this? That's such a hard question. Cause like, I didn't even see myself here six months ago, but I, I think and my, I think my grandfather said it best. He was like, I mean, you keep gravitating towards this stuff. The same reasons that I list of this being important to me, it, it, being an advocate and really anything, being an ally for a lot of different communities, joining the military, it's all kind of the same of just like, I want to help somehow. And I don't know how that is all the time, but like whatever it is, if it's, if it's towards the direction of right and I can do something, then I want to do something. And so I think in getting organized with it, I've realized because obviously in the military, I had no way to do this. I think that this might actually end up being a really big part of my life in, in a much more organized fashion. And I don't know how, and I don't know what, and I don't know where, but I didn't need to know any of that to get this started. So I think I'll be all right. But I, I think just continuing forward, it's definitely not something I want to, it's not something I'm going to get away from. I'll always do this, whether or not I've I'm talking to people I've never met or whether I'm talking to cool podcasts or whatever, I'm, I'm still going to do it, but I think I definitely want to get much more organized with it and, and get a bigger voice out there for, cause my big thing is I just want to give a platform in the same way that you give a platform to your speakers. I just want to give a platform to these people on the street. It's not really, you know, we know how to help people, but do we know how to listen? So I think getting, being able to listen to them is, a bigger deal. I was just thinking like, what have you learned? Something you've learned from the Marines that maybe has leveraged you to do what you're doing. It just seems like you're just a very wanting to help type of a person. I think, I mean, I had a lot of really good mentors. I was really lucky with that. In, in different countries I went to, I had one mentor who was just amazing and he was always looking towards like, hey, let's help out the local community in our downtime somehow. And a lot of the commanders, he knew that he could exploit the fact that it looked good to do that. He didn't really care. He was like, no, I really just want to help these people. But if we paint it a certain way, then it's like, oh, look at the good Marines. We didn't care about that. We never did. But we knew that we could get the authority to do it. So he would always like, we went to like orphanages or we would just get extra food from the chow hall and go take it out like outside the gate or, you know, he was just a really good guy this one specific person who I know would never want to be mentioned but he kind of taught me that early on and just to have like the guts to do it like just go outside the gate go do something I think there's the the idea of like yeah just go do it is like a big barrier that's so simple just go do it yeah Wow. Yeah. Amazing. 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 Well, this has been amazing. I mean, beyond amazing. So Alexandra, I want to do our what are you into this and that? Or no, I think we'll just take it away with a heart to heart. I think, my gosh, how many conversations you've had so far with all your friends. I'm going to reframe it in a little different way. Or should I go with the normal way? 
typically the question is, what is an introspective moment or a conversation that you've had that's changed you in some way? I've got one for that. I've got one for that. Actually. You've got one for that. Okay. It doesn't actually have to do with our friends on the street, but actually my mom who has been, she's an amazing woman. I could go on and on about her, but she is actually battling stage four cancer right now. And she is the biggest, I mean, she makes everybody look like such a baby to me, but she's like the sweetest person, but she's just a badass. And her big thing was a friend told her when she first was diagnosed that everybody's clock is ticking. Now you just have the benefit of hearing yours. And so her big thing is making like every moment count, every gesture count, whether it's giving someone a smile or a shoulder to lean on or a sandwich if they need it. And it's just like the simplest thing of just like your seconds are so limited. And so why are we so afraid and reserved to, to share love when we know our time is running out? So I think that that was a huge thing between her and my sister. I mean, they're both just my absolute heroes. My sister is going to save the world. So stand by for that. And my mom is going to make sure everybody has like handmade hats while the world is being saved. So I'm just like super blessed to have these amazing power women in my life who are just such amazing examples. Even though my sister's seven years younger than me, I look up to her in so many ways. And my mom too, they're just like, they've just taught me these amazing lessons of teaching me how to, how to help people just by doing and just making your seconds count. Wow. Jean, I don't, you know, I think, yeah, you're just, you're, you're, beyond an incredible person. And I, and as far as your mom, I'm so sorry to hear of that situation. And she obviously is your biggest fan besides your sister. And I'm sure some other close people in your family that she must be beyond proud of what you're doing and what you will be doing. Yeah. We're sending our love to her and we appreciate your time and coming on, sharing your story and all the good that you're doing. Where can everyone find you? We are at your DC friends on Instagram and then our email and our, all of our friends wish lists are also on the page. So um, if anyone wants to reach out to us that way, they are welcome to do that anytime. Yeah. Well, spreading the love and kindness every day and you're an inspiration for us all to just look beyond what you think, look beyond what you think is so important, what's going on in your immediate world and People could be having problems, but then think about someone else and do a little good today. So, yeah. Make the second count. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. This was awesome. Oh, this was wonderful. Everyone can check the episode out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and you can follow us at coming underscore from the heart podcast on Instagram. We're on Twitter at CFTH podcast. That's CFTH podcast. We're on Facebook, Coming From The Heart Podcast. We're launching a website soon, so we're super stoked about that. We have YouTube rolling out. We have TikTok coming soon. We're trying to be cool, be on all the social. I don't know if we do TikTok. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to be cool, but... Yeah, we're trying to be... Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, being cool is being kind, so... I love that. Yeah. I love that. We have to use that. Yeah, you can use that too. Being cool is being kind. And you know what I'm thinking, Jane? Somehow, if your friends on the street, I would love them to hear this episode. Maybe you'll think of something, we'll think of something that they could hear this conversation because I think that they should. Yeah, I totally agree. We'll figure that out. 
so all I have to say is thank you for your time. Thank you for all you do and more. And I feel like you are going to be a continuum of a conversation with us. I don't think you're going to be going anywhere. We're definitely going to reconnect, connect with you. Of course, when this pandemic is over, we want to just definitely go and get like a coffee of your choice, of your friend's choice and hang out and say hi to everybody. Yeah, I think that would be super cool. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Alexandra. Great job. And uh, XOXO, Helene. Thanks. Mm -hmm.